I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beast! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. And welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? We're answering by watching every film he's ever made. I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello. And on this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we are reviewing Racing with the Moon, released March 23rd, 1984. Directed by Richard Benjamin and written by Steve Cloves, the film stars Sean Penn as Henry Hopper Nash, Elizabeth McGovern as Caddy Winger, and of course, the one, the only, the king himself, Nicolas Cage, as Nicky. Now, we watched this movie separately, which is the first movie we have watched not together. How'd that make you feel, Steen? Oh, lonely. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> well, I watched it with my brother, so it was a, oh. it was a, it was a jolly good time. Oh. <laughs> um, a funny story, actually. When, we, when I was telling my brothers I had to watch this, Andre looked it up, and he goes, Oh, a comedy? Because he's, he's action, Nicolas Cage. Uh, that's, his, that's who he holds on to. And then he had a great time. Not to not to get too far ahead, but he loved it. Um, what? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I watched. We watched it on Amazon Prime. What did you watch it on, Steve? Yeah, we watched it on Amazon Prime. I'm not happy about it, but what can I do? I'm what weak. can you do? I mean, you could get it from the library. You know, support. But <clears throat> I can't, that's neither. I can't leave my there. home. I can't leave <laughs> my home. Neither. It's not safe out there for little ladies like me. <laughs> Well, that is true. Uh, that is true. Now, if you haven't seen Racing with the Moon, which have you? Who has watched this movie? I I had never even heard of this movie. I didn't know this movie existed. Uh, but you know, I think there's maybe, like ten reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So I follow like seventy five people on Letterboxd. Not a single person has seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um but i will say if you're considering watching it watch it and then listen to the podcast otherwise we are going to kind of tell you what the movie's about get into the plot get into that spoilers spoilers are learning if you want me to spoil it here's your chance to pause and And now you're back ready for the spoilers so spoil it for us artoon what's this movie this is another movie that takes place in the 1980s starring sean penn and Nicolas cage that features an abortion (gasps) oh I know. Two for two. Two for two. We can't get away from it. But the movie is, what it's really about is between, it's a love story between uh, Henry and uh, Elizabeth McGovern's character, Caddy, who is a Gatsby, as they call her. Which is a misnomer because the boys call her Gatsby because they think she's from a rich family. But Gatsby very famously neither gained nor left any intergenerational wealth. That is so, so interesting, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Um, well, so it's about their love story, uh, but it's also at the same time about uh, Nicolas Cage and Sean Penn's characters are headed off to World War II. The movie takes place in the 1940s in a coastal California town and kind of 
this love relationship as well as this friendship and how does it all work out with the, within weeks leading up to the war. And it all gets tested because Nicolas Cage got his girlfriend pregnant and they don't have the money for an abortion. And so he's asking Sean Penn, can you ask your rich girlfriend to get us the money? But it turns out she is not an heiress, but rather the daughter of the maid who works for the rich people. And which so she, I was so which, confused. There was a scene. She comes home and she says mom to the maid. And I was like, I was like, did she just call the maid mom? Or did she, did she, she was like, there's a gift from Alice. I was like, maybe Alice is her mom. So it was, it was truly a revelation for me later when mm-hmm. she fully spelled it out for idiot, practically illiterate <laughs> Sean Penn's character, Henry, being like, my mother is the maid. And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a zinger. What a, what a full circle there on that storyline. I, I want to hear, because because we watched this apart, I have no idea if you like this movie, if you didn't like it. I mean, I have my guess. but What's uh, your guess? My guess is you're, you're going to say that you did not like this movie. It's way too much war propaganda. Uh, and that it was like, it's too coloring of this like gorgeous time on the California coast before the boys ship off to war. That's, uh, you know, it's it's putting it in a, such a much better light than it than it really is. Uh, <laughs> that's my that's what I think. It's great. It's great to hear what you think of me. <laughs> the if, man who loves <laughs> me thinks of me. Well, what is, what I am I am very curious. Why don't you tell no, me? You're you're close. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this movie propaganda. Mm. Um, I but I I think it is. But I do. So. They are drafted to war. It's not as if they've enlisted. So they're, you're true. getting a lot of this draft anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get, especially for the 1940s, especially for World War II, um, you get a ton of music and film and culture that mm-hmm. comes out of this sort of global event. Mm-hmm. And there's a part in the movie where they go to the cinema and before the movie starts, there's a newsreel alert where they say, we need teenage manpower now. That which is crazy. An oxymoron, <laughs> teenage manpower. How dare yeah. you? And then, <laughs> and then it's also like, it is, I don't, I don't think this movie glorifies war. I think, I think it mm-hmm. does a good job of making it seem ominous and frightening and yeah. the the threat of death that looms over youth and and your more um ephemeral mm-hmm. uh qualities of life i <laughs> it's also funny because world war Two is part of what ends up killing the railroad industry in the united states really? so there's this relationship with the train throughout the movie yeah because when after world war Two, oh, you had steel. this you had the steel boom, this this steel boom, and so then the um, power, the powerful railroad companies end up consolidating and monopolizing and pushing out the smaller railroad companies. Um, so there's there's this moment. The end of the movie is when they um, they're getting ready to go on the train to uh-huh. go to war. They've been drafted. Uh-huh. And Nicolas Cage and Sean Penn stand there and they look at each other and they wait for the train to go by and then they race each other and they run after it and they uh-huh. jump on and they hop on. And I'm getting chills now too because that is like a really, that's a just a beautiful scene. Like, it was it's just so like, nice. What an ending. 
Oh my god, that's like montage worthy. Like you can pull that out if you put that in the trailer. Like I have full body chills right now, and but I I bring this up to say that like the World War Two and draft anxiety and what it does to that younger generation and to the trains that they have this relationship with. I think it is very sad. I think it's funny that this this movie is billed as a comedy because because to me it's like pretty tragic. I, yeah. All yeah. the way through. I didn't I didn't think of it as funny. But all of this to babble on and say that I didn't like the movie. I did not think it's necessary because I am very fed up with like the uh, onslaught, the never ending onslaught of World War II content that we get. Um, and I have developed this conspiracy theory that I don't think people are going to like necessarily, which is that I think when white men are traumatized, such as through World War II and through Uh the draft, it ends up becoming, oh, this is the backbone of art, of Oscar-winning, like, like movies, of, like, like, like all of these, just, just there's so many books and and mm-hmm. so much content that is created and funded and supported by mm-hmm. a white male audience and um i think they think that this drama is like so universal and so interesting and so powerful and like it really only happened then rather than like the ongoing trauma that white men constantly inflict on oppressed people around the globe getting the same sort of attention in um media I'm just saying that's what I look for more in life. And so when I have to watch these movies about boys being like, oh, no, World War Two, I'm like, uh-huh. I'm not I'm just biased against it because I'm not interested. But sure, you're I mean, frowning. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I definitely think there's a lot of movies about World War Two, but I also think there's a lot of movies about like uh mo- like there's so many vietnam war movies like i don't know necessarily this a, that World so this war- th- thank you so much for saying that artoon because do you know that the vietnam war is the last time that we had a draft in this country so the vietnam war <laughs> still matches my hypothesis of you get these mass appeal uh media content uh-huh from times that white men experience the trauma of being forced to go to war versus normal versus like in other conflicts or in the the daily mundane conflicts they are allowed uh-huh. to use the like inflict warlike conditions what on I, I think i what what i what i what i what I, <laughs> I love i love when you're like i got to calmly talk to my frothing wife and try to talk her down and be like remember remember well, 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 I think what it, what I, not bristle against, but I think it's that it's the, I don't think it's, it's the men that are going to war and coming back that are making these movies. I think a lot of times, in fact, it's the people who did not get drafted and who instead are like, feel almost guilty about it. And so this is their way of going like, actually, here's me doing my part. Like, I think a lot of the people who made those Vietnam War movies, the reason they made it so intense, the reason you've they like um, are like we're gonna go to Vietnam to film this, and we're gonna make it as intense as possible, and it's gonna be grueling, and the situation is gonna feel so intense, is this is their way of like dealing with the trauma of not being there and not you know 
getting drafted. That sounded or doing like their... inflicting trauma on yourself of being. That's like, what. They, but yes, that, that's exactly what they're that's doing. That's not admirable to me, though. That is a waste of time. Yeah, but if they make a good movie, I no, mean... no, I would. <laughs> I, would <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, but. Uh, but I think also like this is I don't I don't have the full landscape of what the seventies and eighties looked like um, for like how inundated we were with World War Two content. But I'm sure it was pretty hefty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I paused because I was thinking I was thinking I thought you were gonna go in a different direction. And I was like, well, they were still recovering from plenty of draft anxiety from from the Vietnam, Vietnam War. War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course. And uh, I'll just say I'll just say I think I think I think I beat this point. <laughs> down into its grave um but one one last point for now on draft anxiety and bringing it back to this movie and to Nicolas Cage let me just tie it all in bring us back to some (laughs) a place where we're comfortable things have gotten a little tense we're all gonna breathe let's remember what's going on here it's Nicolas Cage and he's gonna sing us a song he's gonna sing us a song in this movie it's Tangerine it's a song by Johnny Mercer and Victor Schertzinger Uh and um this song uh is about a woman she's dancing by and senoritas are staring and the cowboys are sighing. Um, and it's it's actually uh, very symbolic of this World War II draft anxiety because during World War II, Latin America was part of the one of the only regions that was not involved in the mm-hmm. global conflict. And mm-hmm. so like singing about like longing for a woman in, in Latin America, a Latin American woman is is very much in the vein of like, Oh, oh, I wish I, I wish I could be in a place where I don't have to think about these troubles. I don't have to think about how I'm going to war. That is so smart. Did you know that? Like, how do you how do you get to that? Did I know that? I had to look that up. I had to look that up. Okay. I didn't. I, oh yeah, that was very sweet. That was very. Sweet I mean, I loved I when that. he started singing though. I'll let me tell you, that was a great part because I felt also. I'm like, he's not a good singer, but he's putting his all into it. He's not a bad singer. Know. He can, he can carry the singer. tune. No, he's not a bad singer, but he is not a good singer. I wasn't like, whoa. He can also sing, but I think... But he was singing like in a bowling alley to a mop. I agree with you. I think if he really was a great singer, we'd know about it by now, but maybe he's going to wow us. You know, maybe there's a musical that we don't know about that he's going to... Well, we'll, um, and we'll find out. And we'll find out and we'll let you know, but... I, I just, I, I don't know. Now I'm bristling at you being like, he's not a good singer. I'm like, don't say that. Well, he's, he's no, he's, just, a he's good, not a he's bad a, singer. He's a, he's I don't, a fine. I, let's not he's talk a, about whether or not he's good or not, but we can just say he's not bad. No, and he he's not bad. He's, he's a totally fine singer. He's a totally fine singer. I enjoyed his singing. I thought he was, I thought he was giving his all into it, which is, I think, the most admirable part. God, I, I guess I'm just point. I'm taking this too personally because I feel like people <laughs> you are, would describe me as a totally yeah. fine singer. They'd be like, no, she's totally Christina. fine. Oh a totally fine. No, don't I get it. Do not get it. This is, I'm not Christina, fishing. I'm not fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fishing and I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> oh but the point God. is, is that Nicolas Cage is singing in the bowling alley. He's singing in the bowling alley. And he's, and he's got his little uh, wife beater on. It's the rise of the triangle chest hair. Now, do you call again. it a wife beater or do you call it an A-liner? I, I assume mean, what from I what you said, you just I said wife beater. <laughs> but am I, I not supposed to? That's not. Well, that's not appropriate I don't know. So, you know, it's totally appropriate. That's what I call it as well. But I was having a conversation with someone where they were like, "Well, it's an A-liner. It's not really." Who was good the person? Was it Andre? No, it's not Andre. We don't oh. get into who it was or who it wasn't. Um, but 
<laughs> well, now it sounds like a mystery woman I should be worried no, about no, who no, is buying you A-lines. It's, <laughs> no, it's not a mystery woman. It's not a mystery woman. But I was shocked to hear they were A-liners. But I also called them wife beaters. Um, but an interesting term, I think. Yeah. For, yeah, a, for yeah. an article of clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, else, talk- what else did you think of? Nic- oh, what do you want to talk about? Tell me, Angel. Well, do you, do you know if I like this movie or not? Yeah, you already were like, I had a great time watching this, my brother. I had a great time watching this movie. (laughs) I'm sure you were all like, oh, I'd love to stand around and run and jump on trains. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is... I keep wondering, is this another movie for the boys? I just can't can't tell. I did... I will say, I was like, this is a great movie to fall asleep to, like, in a good way. Like, it's... Mm. it. I think it's kind of sleepy... I think the pace isn't that quick, but there's a lot of really memorable scenes in it, which I kind of want to touch mm-hmm. on some yeah, of them. Yeah, that's actually true. There's really beautiful, like, like when Sean Penn um, comes across, what is her name? What did you say the real woman's name was? The Elizabeth? real woman's name, the actress is Elizabeth McGovern, but the character's name is uh, Caddy. No, I know the character's name. I asked you the real woman's name, <laughs> which turns McGovern. out to be Elizabeth McGovern. And when he comes across her, she's doing ballet on the cliff, which is a really lovely memory that is now slightly tainted by how viciously I came for you in asking about Elizabeth McGovern's name. <laughs> I thought the whole romance was actually very sweet. Like, yeah, I thought every, nice. I thought it was, oh, it was very lovingly done and felt very like, again, like, uh, this is another movie where it feels like these teenagers are pretty real people and not like we're making fun of them. Well, here's my thing is I thought Sean Penn was great and I uh-huh. thought Nicolas Cage was n- not very like he had moments that I was like this is great but I thought he was not believable at all as a teenager. I was oh. like he does uh, and it he is, is tough literally, to imagine. He's, he's literally a teenager in real life and I'm like I well, do no, he's not 20. believe that he's this like is not, a teenager. he's maybe 20, 20 or 19. 20 is still like a teenager. Like fine, <laughs> fine if you want to get technical but about it. But, I guess, but yeah. yeah. He comes he, across like he's, he's like 28. Yeah. I mean I asked yeah. my brothers, I asked my brothers how old do you think Nicolas Cage is when this movie was made and one of them said 34. <laughs> <laughs> I want. Uh, I'm not remembering. One said like oh. 34. The other said like 27 or 26. Um, no, That's he comes awesome. across as really old. Uh, but I still thought he gave a, a. I thought his energy was incredible. I liked his energy here, and I I saw this going back from Rumblefish last week. I felt he was a lot more comfortable on camera. Yes. Kind of like making choices and and all that. But I still want to. I want to get talk about like the specific love scenes that like. I'm like, I don't know if I've seen, or maybe I have, uh, but like him jump, like these scenes, like where he jumps behind a bar, puts on the hat, tries to give her a slice of pie, doesn't know how to cut it. When Sean Penn does when this. When Sean Penn does this. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and well, like, that's, yeah. what? Sean Penn was really good. Sean I don't, Penn was I don't really, really good like in this Sean movie. Penn. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess I haven't consumed much of his content, but I don't really like his energy in modern times. Now? Whereas... Yeah, whereas I love Nicolas Cage's energy in modern times. Mm. So I feel like they're going to have whatever the graft is, where the lines <laughs> cross in their uh-huh. intersections on oh, their Oh, yeah, on the their classic pads. X graph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic. <laughs> I don't know if that's an... Oh, but anyway, but the... Because the, 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 um, I was like, I was like... Oh, I don't know. I felt guilty for how much I liked Sean Penn in this movie. It's okay to like Sean Penn in the movie. Because he was 
very natural, very much like a teenager. He really seemed like he was like a himbo who was like thinking really hard Mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of energy. But then like he has this like divine driving force to be near Caddy. He's in love. He's in love. It's so funny because they're like, don't fall in love. And he's like, well, that's what's happened to me. You know, like he couldn't. He couldn't control uh-huh. it. He wanted to just like get her flowers and go swim in that lake together. Which, by yeah. the way, they f- really filmed that in January. So apparently, it was actually freezing when they jumped into that lake. That was abuse. That was abuse on that poor girl. On poor. Elizabeth they wanted Warren. it. She no. She wanted it too. She wanted it. She yeah, wanted it. She said it? for the art. She said for the art. Yeah, she said that. I mean, according to what I read uh, from the DVD audio commentary. <laughs> um, but wow. Also, this is now our fourth movie with Nicolas Cage and our Wait, fourth movie. Wait, I'm sorry. Move- while, oh. we're, while we're talking about the January pool thing, that's our only yeah, shot yeah. of boob in the movie, right? That's, well, I was, about, I was literally boob. about oh. to say, this is our fourth movie with boob in it. Yeah. Yeah. Four for Great. four uh, at this point. Boob. But oh. this one is rated PG. Yeah, it's only the littlest bit of boob. It's very <laughs> tasteful. Well, it was going to get an R. It was going to get an R rating for that. And <gasps> then they, they petitioned. So I wonder if they cut like cut that scene down a little bit because they really oh, it was very artful. Gosh, if I was Elizabeth though, and I had really gone like full frontal out in that uh, pond in January, I'd be like, "Are you kidding me? Send me yeah. that footage. I'm gonna use it for my <laughs> private library." Oh yeah, yeah. Music was also a pretty big um, motif in this. Like, uh, I guess like the piano playing and like. This is where I'm like, this movie's a comedy. When, like, he's playing his classical music with his piano teacher. And then he just does a riff. And the piano teacher stands up as if he was slapped across the face, puts on his hat. The mom rushes out of the kitchen like, please, please, my son, anything for him. One more chance. I know he's crazy, but please. And then he's like, I'll never teach this guy piano if it's the last thing I do. I, that part, that part was incredible. Was Were you hooting and hollering? I was hooting and hollering. The oh, other, you probably the three boys were because you have all done like piano lessons since you were children. Exactly, exactly. But you were all like piano teachers who would like smack your knuckles, like you couldn't start riffing the the. the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, honor. exactly, exactly. And this is where I'm like, this is a comedy. There's also, you remember when he was walking out of the store and there's just an old man with a cane? Okay, that that's around. what I was waiting for. So he's going, <laughs> into, he's going into the library is what he's doing. He's, he's chasing Caddy into the, the library. library. And there's Elmer, Elmer, because I was watching with subtitles, so it says Elmer. And he uh, just like baps him with the cane on the back. And he's like, I'm going to take that cane from you. And then Elmer, the subtitle says, laughs heartily. Because that's exactly <laughs> what he does. This old man just laughs heartily. And because Sean Penn has this like rapporteur with him, where he's like, I'm going to take that cane from you next time. I was like, Elmer's coming back. Elmer never comes Elmer back. Elmer never comes back. He, he gets this one-off. That's where I'm talking. Like, the one, like, like TikTok scenes out of this. If you mm-hmm. made a TikTok montage or, like, collection of this movie, I'd watch that mm-hmm. over and over again. This movie in whole? Probably not. Well, that's why I said it's the perfect movie to fall asleep to. Like, kind of like you're napping. Like, you wake up, you, like, watch a scene or two. You kind of close your eyes again. You wake up, you watch, like, another scene. Like, the scenes are all good. I would miss all the stuff I like, and I would wake (laughs) up in time for the stuff that I was like, oh, yeah, made me kind of mad when Nicolas Cage was groping those women. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was not great. That was not great. It's a lot of groping. (laughs) A lot of groping. But he he does do it in, like, a very offhand, friendly way. It's very nonchalant. I I think also his character's supposed to be, like, the 
Like, I'm more of a bad guy. Which I, th- well, I this is why I don't know the abortion politics of all, at all, where it's like, of course he's the one who gets, like, the more wild, the more mischievous, like, he's the one who gets the abort, who gets uh, his girlfriend pregnant and needs the abortion. Well, not. I think he makes a nice, I think he actually makes a smart comment to Sean Penn's character um, where he's like, I'm I'm just unlucky. Like you didn't you don't oh, actually yeah. different from me. I'm just unlucky. So and and Sean Penn doesn't say anything to counter that. So mm-hmm. it sort of sounds like they in general are not using protection, which which everyone should use protection. Yeah, family Did planning have, is part of planning. You yes, might yeah, notice. yeah, yeah. There's contraceptives. Yeah, there's contraceptives. In for, 1942. Let's okay. I'll just Google real quick, but I'm <laughs> almost certain that there are. When was the in when was the condom invented? When was what? Well, what's your guess? Oh, well, I know that they go back for a long time because there's a scene in the movie of Anna Karenina where uh, Jude Law goes and he takes out his very old condom that's like that's like pig oh. intestine or whatever. He pulls oh. it out of its special case and you would yeah you would rewear them. It was horrible. It was horrible. Oh. Um, but let's see, World War II to 1980. Condoms were not only distributed to male U.S. military members, but enlisted men were also subject to significant contraceptive propa- oh, contraception good. propaganda in the form of films, posters, and lectures. They're good for that. Don't forget, <laughs> put it on before you put it in. <laughs> put it on before you put it. I mean, that's a great slogan. That is a great slogan. That's so, a great so, slogan. so to answer so, your question, yes, condoms were could, very big in the 1940s. Okay, good, good. If not bigger. <laughs> If not bigger than they are now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, another scene, just kind of going through, like, the highlight reel of this movie, because it is, we're both agreeing that it's a bunch of incredible scenes that are kind of slowly put together. Mm. Um, what was not slow, this pool game was intense. How did you feel about it? Because I, wow. I mean, this is, this is, we were, I mean, this is me and the, me and the brothers were chatting. Uh, Andre's like, Oh, he has the he has the hundred fifty dollars. Why doesn't he get an abortion? And Alan goes, "That's toilet paper." <laughs> <laughs> Alan is sharp. Alan's Alan... sharp because Alan's also Alan... hustling on this side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's run this game before. <laughs> but knowing he's like, hey, that's only like five or six dollars. Like, like you mm-hmm. know, we we know that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god, they're gonna get their asses beat by these like sailors, <laughs> the sailors from the navy. Yeah, navy, navy, navy. Yeah. It was intense. Did you not think so? Were you not like this is the most intense game of pool I've ever watched? I'm. I was like I'm watching a movie that has been filmed and rehearsed and edited together, so <laughs> I couldn't really lose myself the way I think you did. But oh, I also well. I should share that I had a very embarrassing moment where I um, rewound like three times and paused and looked very carefully because I thought I had cleverly observed. That he had sent the eight ball into a corner when he called four. Mm. Nope, nope. <laughs> they are. They had matched it up. Great. It's just that the four ball is that dark purple, and I'm. It's stupid. hard to tell. No, 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 <laughs> it's no. no, hard no. To it's tell. hard to tell. It's hard to hard tell. to tell. So yeah, I watched it very closely, but I found mm. it quite boring. Well, maybe that's why the pace was off for you. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what I, I bring it up to. Thank you. Yes. To. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You think Sean Penn remembered Nicolas Cage from Fast Times? <laughs> I'd hope so. I'd hope so. I don't know. I'm sure. Well, I don't know if they were hanging out, maybe, but. Maybe. It's such a different character for him. 
Sean Penn. And I mean, it was it was a very different character, and it was it was one they didn't they didn't have any like scenes overlap. They weren't even like in the same sphere of existence at all. And Mm -hmm. two, if he was so method acting as to be like smoking pot on set and stuff or whatever, I bet he was method acting, hanging out with his cronies and not like Mm -hmm. looking to make connections with Mm -hmm. other cast members. But I don't know. Maybe it was maybe Sean. Right. Send me a text. Let me know if it was differently. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear your thoughts uh, on the tattoo scene when they went in, when Sean Penn. I'm going to get back on my bullshit here. I'm going to get back on my bullshit here, which is I thought he was very disrespectful to that old black man. I thought I thought this I thought the um, black tattoo artist was an like another amazing segment of like he's only acting in that little sliver and he's mm-hmm. so good talking about like the sparrow on your elbow and looking at these two boys but at the end of that scene um he says something the tattoo artist says something kind of profound relatively profound and like is like the final heartbeat on the scene and then Nicolas Cage's Nikki is sort of like like or whatever like makes a noise and I I get, I understand that this character is like the out of control, whatever. Mm -hmm. He is Mm -hmm. already drunk. But it just really struck me as a a choice, a reaction in the scene or whatever. Mm. And I thought, this really comes across like Nicolas Cage is a rich boy artist hanging around Martha's Vineyard and doesn't know a lot of black elders and know that you need to treat them with extreme respect. And you you shouldn't be like making weird like blurbity blurbity noises after they finish talking like I, I, it left such a sour taste in my mouth mm. but is this but, you're thinking about the actor or the character here i'm i'm telling you it bleeds into both for me it makes me think i understand mm. i was i'm saying i understand that the character has motivations for doing that in the scene but mm-hmm. something I will say is I did not think Nicolas Cage either was this character or did a very good job embodying this character. So for mm. me, that support is not there for the scene. So I do pin it more on it seems like a choice you made as an actor comes from experiences you've had in your personal life. And I don't like the way that you behaved, quote unquote, acted. Mm. So, Well, there it is. It's just a little more... Co- what did you think I was going to say about that tattoo scene? It, I bet you weren't expecting that, so... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure. I just thought it was a memorable scene as well. I thought um, I thought that actor did an incredible job. Um, and it was a fun... It was one of those... It was one of those scenes where you kind of knew what was going to happen before it happened, where it's like, I want to get a big eagle, and you're like, this guy's mm-hmm. just going to be like, you don't know what you want. Oh, but it does. The one thing I did really like about Nicolas Cage in that scene is when he goes in to show where he wants the eagle uh-huh. on his chest, he lifts up his shirt and his six packs are unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Did you clock that? He's, He's ripped. chiseled. He's, He's chiseled. absolutely <laughs> ripped. His, in the opening scene, he comes in and his arms are all sweaties in his like overall workout. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I was, and I was like, I wrote down, I was like, muscular arms. Oh, yeah. boy. But then later he shows the abs too and I was like, holy moly and the thing is is we don't get a look at those gams but you know he's got to have unbelievable calves <laughs> to be chasing down and jumping on those trains of course well well he's the fastest uh, bowling resetter in the in the alley you you think that's not hard work that was crazy i didn't know that that's how bowling alleys used to be uh what a high stakes job 
Yeah, you get ripped for people who that. haven't seen the movie or don't know about old bowling alleys. It's it was like four four <laughs> lanes, and you throw the ball down, and then there's a guy back there who, after it goes through the pins, he's got to grab the ball, roll it back to you on a little rail, and then he puts the pins back up in their little holster. Mm-hmm. And then he waits. And if you are quick enough, when he's trying to reset the pins, you, <laughs> you can, can toss a ball down at his legs get and get him. <laughs> Which happens to Sean Penn's character, and he does yeah. not care for it. He does not care for it. These boys were working a lot of jobs. They were digging yeah. graves. They were refilling bottles oh. of gin. They were. I loved the grave working digging. Left I, that and was right. Sean Penn's dad's character is is a grave digger, and I was like, that is such a beautiful profession, and very yeah. much in the spirit of Memento Mori. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying is this movie had a lot of really nice... I agree as a whole. That's true. Something doesn't yeah. just like get you all the way there. But yeah. like I'm like all the parts are just great in my opinion. Like I thought it was yeah. a very, very well-made movie in that. Uh, I do have our dear friend Roger Ebert's review here of it. <gasps> If oh you're God! interested in yes! hearing, here's so a little, here's a, here's, 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 a little taste. here's a little, a little taste from Roger Ebert's website. It could be sappy. It could be great. It could be dripping with so much nostalgia that it would feel like a memory even while we were watching it. Racing with the Moon doesn't fall into the summer of 42 nostalgia trap, but tries to be honest with its romantic characters. The performers are probably the reason the approach works so well. The three leading actors are Sean Penn, Elizabeth McGovern, and the as young lovers, and Nicolas Cage as Penn's friend. It's a pleasure to watch them work. Cage is good too, reckless and self-destructive and dreamy. And by the end of the movie, we really have a feeling for their complex relationship with each other, which I thought nice. <laughs> mm, I, I feel like Roger usually gets gets closer, gets a punch in, but it, <laughs> but uh, that's fine, I guess. Um, You'll take nice. it. Nice, <laughs> I'll take it. You gave it, I'll take it. I. I I'm happy to consider Nicolas Cage's performance more. I feel like I've been dancing around it sure, a little bit. Sure, go into it. Well, I thought that this was an example of where he was doing a lot of, like, the, like, screaming, projecting, like, stage acting. Mm-hmm. But when you do that for film, it comes across as very, very uh, put on or mm-hmm. uh, artificial. I mm-hmm. thought, like... Like there was especially there's a scene where he and Sean Penn are like, I feel like they're like kneeling on the ground in like a puddle or something. I don't know what they were doing, but they're <laughs> and Sean Penn is being like so natural and like pretty like quiet, like just talking to Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. and Nicolas Cage is projecting for the entire film crew. Like oh, yeah. you can absolutely, he's like he's like talking to the audience. He's making sure everyone on set can like hear him, which which. I have been a victim of. I'm not like uh, when you're starting. <laughs> when when we were filming um, Wave Jacked, we were doing a scene in which is a web series. We, we were doing a scene in the library, and sweet Ben Haven Taylor, after we did a take, comes up to me and he was like, "So, you've done a lot of stage acting, and you're so good in that stuff, but it's a oh little God. different. It's a li-. he was honestly." so nice about it where he was like it's a little (laughs) different for filming because our microphone is gonna pick you up so just talk like you would normally talk in a library Mm -hmm. instead of screaming Uh (laughs) i was like oh so it for me i had a real problem with throughout this movie it felt like either nobody told him or he couldn't maintain the note of like stop screaming and talk to your scene partner Mm -hmm. um 
I mean, I feel like I'm monologuing <laughs> now. My thoughts on Nicolas Cage's acting. I, oh, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. a couple more. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to like organically jump in here, but it seems like you're like like bewildered and agog. Well, all no, the no. So. I I think I think it's one of those. Maybe I'm maybe I have my Nicolas Cage uh, covered like colored glasses on, but I was like, this is where he's exploring. Like this is the type of movie that like it allows you to like figure out what it's like to really yell on screen and like kind of like move or like jump around and be a little more like a little more unhinged right like this is like he's not super unhinged in rumblefish he's like touches he's on unhinged the, in valley girl so i'm like what are you talking about that's he, the movie where he got to wiggle around and scream no, literally scream I, out the car into the street like do whatever he wanted i'm not i'm i love you and I'm i feel so he was here for i feel I'm he was more hinged in valley girl than he was here mm-hmm. You thought he was I, more unhinged in Valley Girl than here. No, no, I think that's a good point because I thought, but I thought in Valley Girl it showed control because he would mm-hmm. switch from when he was with the girl, he was all soft spoken and loving, other when they're breaking up and or he's screaming in the car, and then when he's with like boys or, or mm-hmm. male scene partners, that's usually when he's more aggressive and like talking them mm-hmm. down. And I felt like. I mean, he's just not interacting with enough women in this movie. Like whenever you there do say, was, you do say he's better with women. He is better with women, and I and I felt it in this movie again, where I was like, his body, his energy, his whole physicality totally changes when there is a woman on screen with them, and like mm-hmm. he like he like does this really cool. He's just magnetic. Like he like kind of orbits around them the way his eyes look at them changes uh-huh. versus when he's with men, he's doing more of the like. Like sleepy eyed, half slit, and he's. I like, like to do that though. That's where you I. You love to do that, and like, I don't like that about you. I don't. It was the same thing that I give you grief for as an actor, is what I had a problem with Nicolas Cage uh, yeah, in this yeah, movie. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. that we're lining up. Yeah. But I want to say some. I have, I have, I mean, I, I, I've already told you about this offline, but I'll just share so that we're all on the same page about my fantasy that Nicolas Cage does listen to this podcast because he's like, I want to know, like, I'll, I'll listen to it. But then sometimes that fantasy becomes a nightmare when I'm like, I want to I want to give a real critique of what I think of, like, or, like, <laughs> also I say whatever nonsense pops into my head all the time. So part of that fantasy is me, like, coming to terms with there has to have been a point if he ever would listen where he would have turned it off and been like, I can't listen to this girl's drivel anymore it's just what? too much and she's so rude about the movies i worked on with my uncle my beloved uncle and what, it, i'm what just is, saying i'm just saying is, it could what happen talk, what's going what is going on <laughs> i'm saying i'm torn between wanting to tear him apart for this character and also wanting well, to also say nicholas cage i love you uh, we are doing this whole podcast because we weren't watching movies and good. i'm excited for you to get better in your career and i feel oh like the work God. is happening let me assure here. you he's not gonna listen to this podcast. he's not gonna <laughs> listen but i can't stop the like the what if every time i say something rude i'm like what if this is the time he listened he's gonna be like you know what i haven't thought about in a while racing with the moon and yeah he's gonna God, be like no pod- one ever watches racing with the moon <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i think in an interview he said he didn't like it that much <laughs> oh nice okay that'll help me relax okay. i all say things that i thought were good was i thought like his like grimacing and his hand gestures were good mm-hmm. um and but didn't you notice like sometimes he was like walking with a limp and like he was like he's trying it out also, that's what he's, he's okay that's when you're like in the trying out. okay let me just lay out and then i'll try to drop it i swear to god 
the character on paper is mm-hmm. the son of a abusive alcoholic father mm-hmm. who gets physically violent with his son. This character is constantly carrying a flask and drinking throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie, is being reminded of what he's like as his father, is um, is torn between like what he clearly has very tender impulses and desires to maintain and facilitate and foster relationships, but mm-hmm. also has these very reckless, very um, inconsiderate traits as well. And I just felt like, like what you're describing, that it was Nicolas Cage being an actor playing around on set. I did mm, not believe the way fair. Sean Penn is Henry Nash. Yeah. And I was like, that character came so alive. I was very much, did not believe in Nicolas Cage's character. Wow. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. I can't even imagine what this rating is going to be, but I can't imagine it's good. Right. Why don't you? you why don't, yeah. Why don't we, Why don't you give it? Why don't you give it now? I was oh rethinking boy. it when we were talking about all the parts that we like enjoyed about this movie, but uh-huh. I'm I'm settling in on my. This is a seven. Seven. Is seven fine. too nice? Is seven too nice? I Should was I expecting it? you to you, say you give it based low. on what you said, I'm scared. and I think any I, listener would be like, okay. she's about to drop a you three on me. this guy. No, I wouldn't drop a three. A three is like. <laughs> A three is too crazy. I would still say... You abhorred his performance and you're giving it a seven. I would give it a six. I would give it a six because okay. he, that's a, you failed my class, but you passed the average. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess average, average being is 50%. five? Yeah, average being five out of ten. That's the mean. That's okay. the mean of those I think numbers. That's, what you're looking at is that's I know that's not 10. necessarily <laughs> the same as average. Listen, if, you, if your definition of average is half... Then he, then he's above the average. <laughs> oh my god! It's a six out of ten cages for me. Okay. And I'm not changing my mind. Okay. You, what and what did you think of the movie? What would you rate the movie? I don't know. Three stars. Okay. What about you? What about you? I think this is an easy eight and a half out of ten cages for Nicholas. Hmm. Um, I agree with you. I think there's like a little bit where it's like. I don't know. I don't know if this is the director's fault or what it is, but like he does seem a little bit like this. Like his character doesn't necessarily live in the world of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I can I can get on board with you there. So I don't know if that's on him or the director, but mm-hmm. it was almost a little bit too big for this sleepy town. Um, but for the movie, I mean, I'm between a three and a half and a four stars out of five. I would definitely recommend it. I do think it's not that long. I think there's a lot of memorable scenes that like kind of will stick with you. Um, yeah, I think I think I actually would recommend it. Yeah, I would definitely recommend you go to watch. Unlike last week, Christina said, "Do not watch Rumblefish." I'll say, I think we're both saying, "Give this movie a watch." Uh, you know, if it's an if it's on a streamer, if you find it in your local library, go for it. Yeah, I'm 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 still ready to double down da- double down on my don't watch Rumblefish. Like uh-huh. it's cool that I've seen it. I feel more artsy now, <laughs> but I I don't think I don't think other people need to watch it. But mm-hmm. I would say you if you watched Racing with the Moon, you would also feel cool. You would be like yeah. a cool person. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Go for it. Well, now you know how we feel about the movie, and we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Cage Old Question, and send any emails to cageoldquestionpod at gmail.com. 
If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and feel free to throw a five-star review our way. Feel free to throw a five-star a five-star review our way. For our next episode, Francis Ford Coppola is back. We are watching the 1984 film The Cotton Club. We hope you will watch with us and listen in. Signing off, this is Christina. And our two Nazareth asking you the, the cage-old cage question. You steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beard! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.